Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I'm Jana Denton House, and I specialize in helping women who are married to men want and enjoy intimacy more. So if you've ever felt like it was a chore, even though you really love your husband, you are not alone, and this is the show for you. Join me as I have open and honest conversations about sex, marriage, and everything else in the bedroom. I promise to never tell you to just do it, spice things up, or buy some lingerie. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. I am so excited about this conversation, and I say that every single time, but... I am introducing new people that I love to you. So that would make sense that I would be saying that every single time. Today we have on the podcast, Jen, who I haven't asked if I can share her last name. So let me do that right now. Yeah, it's fine. I'm Jen Taves. There we go. So Jen is, oh gosh. Who is Jen? I mean, other than an amazing, fabulous human being, which I'll get her to share a little bit more about who she is from her perspective. But from my perspective, she is uh, just a warrior of justice and women's rights and somebody that I spent a lot of time grappling with difficult topics. And I'm just excited for you to be listening in on one of those conversations. And we really are trying to keep it as real as possible. We have not spoken really about what we're going to talk about today. So um, I, I applaud her courage to do this with me today. Uh, Jen, as she'll probably share in her introduction, has been is an alumni of Wanting It More, which I think all of my guests have been up until now. And she's very active in the community, acting as a facilitator for the for the warrior community which is our alumni group and also for wanting it more so we spend a lot of time together and yeah she's just really a, an invaluable contribution to our community so without further ado oh maybe i should share about what we're talking about today just so people can know if they want to listen to this conversation today we really are going to have a conversation around how no matter how long it is that you've been doing work in your relationship around equity, equality, using your voice, having boundaries, consent, empowering yourself in and out of the bedroom, what we found is that it keeps on creeping back in. And we've both been a bit baffled by this and really tried to figure this out. So today we'll We'll share more about our own experiences. We'll ask each other questions and just further this conversation a little bit around how we can, how we can live with this. Uh, some may call it patriarchy, some may call it misogyny, but it doesn't matter the name or label you put on it. It really is about gaining that independence and autonomy over your pleasure and decision-making process, which that was a long intro. So now I'll ask Jen to give us a little backstory, whatever she feels comfortable sharing. Who is she? What is she? Hey, we should probably do pronouns on this podcast. Let's start today. My pronouns are she, her, and Jen, you can start us off with that. Sure. So my name is Jen. Um, my pronouns are she, her. Um, I am I'm a woman. <laughs> I will start there. Uh, I'm a woman who has grown up in a very patriarchal world, um, you know, from the household that I particularly was brought into, uh, that was a particularly patriarchal home, uh, and of course the culture in which we live. Um, and I started to break away from that pretty early on. I started to break away from a lot of things pretty early on uh, when I was when I was young and and didn't really like have the the tools or the people or the support to to effectively do that. But um, you know, so made the break and ran and then kind of just started living my life and and calling myself a feminist and and um, doing that kind of work as I started delving into my professional life, which has nothing to do um, with, with this, but, uh, you know, and all of that and uh, got married. And that was a, that was a trip. Getting married was a trip. It was definitely a very difficult identity strangeness thing that happened for sure. Um, and 
but through all of this, I really held myself true as a feminist, but really what it comes down to is that it wasn't until I did wanting it more that I realized that I had still brought the patriarchy into the bedroom with me, 100%, like did not even see how those systems were impacting my relationship and my life and the dynamic that I have in my family. Um, so yeah, Wim opened my eyes to a lot of things uh, in how this self-proclaimed champion of women's rights um, was still very much held within the patriarchal system and very much like bounded and chained by all of that. And so it's been about two and a bit years, I think, since I did wanting it more and have been part of the Warriors community. And it's been really interesting because even though, yes, I thought I had thrown all of those things off, not that long ago, I realized, oh, <laughs> they're still there, <laughs> you know? Uh, they're a little bit different, but they're still there, you know? Um, and it's it's been an interesting eye-opening process that, you know, when you are a fish swimming in the water, even if you occasionally go, oh yeah, okay, there's the water, you come right back into it, right? You come right back into it and you're still in the water and it just becomes the background again. And then unless you're practicing like constant vigilance against it, uh, it just finds its way through the cracks. It just seeps its way through and you find yourself part of old patterns without even realizing it. Oh, is that familiar? Yes. Yeah. So let's maybe back up a little bit because I'll say I didn't even start to identify with the word patriarchy until about a year and a half ago. Okay. When I looked it up and I understood. So in your understanding, how would you define it, patriarchy, when you use that word? Sure. The, I think the patriarchy fundamentally is a system of gender roles, right? And it, I think we often think about how the patriarchy affects women, uh, but it affects men just as much. Like it tells men exactly how they have to be and puts those boxes around them. And it tells women exactly how they have to be and puts those boxes around them. And it's also a system of hierarchical power. Um, you know, so we say that, you um, you know, a certain group of people based on their biology uh, is superior. And I think it's really important right here to talk about how the patriarchy doesn't exist on its own. It's very married to white supremacy and it's very married to capitalism. So really when we talk about the society that we live here, uh, live in here in Canada and, and the United States, like in North America and in a lot of other cultures throughout the world, we, what we actually live in is a culture of, you know, a white supremacist, patriarchal, capitalist economy culture. Like that's the culture that we live in. And all three of those systems um, act on each other and act on us to create these dynamics of power and control and decide uh, who gets to be ahead and, and who has to stay behind. Yes. And I'm curious, before you discovered that this was showing up in the bedroom for you, what had you done in your relationship previous to mitigate some of that inequities? Sure. So like, I was never about to be the person who made all of the meals and did all of the cleaning. And I remember like that kind of showing up a little bit and my like my when we first moved in together him being very proud of like doing housework and cooking meals and I was just like that's what you do <laughs> you know that's what you do um you know so yeah like I think when we got married like there was definitely these weird identity shifts right because you know I was going to these engagement parties that were being thrown and people were doing the whole like best wishes congratulations you know like and like aren't you a lucky man 
like these people that I'd never even met in my entire life saying, aren't you a lucky man? I'm like, how the hell do they know? Like, and some of it can be chalked up to social niceties, but no, like it really was based on appearance. It was based on those kinds of things. Right. So that was a whole kind of mind trip. And I knew that that wasn't what I wanted for my relationship. And it wasn't our relationship up to that point. So that was just like a weird thing to navigate. Even things like my last name, you know, people got really kind of not happy about the fact that I kept my last name, you know, um, it, all of these things. And so that was like a, a bit of a, a shift and a change. But then the way that we established our relationship was fairly like we were both working full time. We were both doing all of these things. Then you introduce children and things start to get really tricky, right? Because here in Canada, we have a wonderful maternity leave uh, program and I took most of the maternity leave. And you know, so I was at home, I was doing things, and we very quickly kind of started to get into these roles based on opportunity, but, uh, and the way that life was structured, um, but also a little bit based on what we'd been taught, and what we'd been seeing, what we'd seen all of our, our lives, and kind of stopped critically examining it, so things got a little bit more inequitable, and I would say that it stayed that way, even when I went back to work with my first child, it stayed fairly inequitable, but then I had a second child, and I realized I can't do this anymore. So that's when I started saying, okay, I can't do this. And I offloaded things. And that took a lot of work. It wasn't just like, okay, you're doing the laundry now. It was a process of actually getting it to the point where I literally don't think about laundry anymore. Uh, you know? And then we had a third kid. You know, So that really made it so things needed to be balanced and, and a lot more equitable. And I would say today, like in those kinds of, activities we are fairly equitable uh you know in the in the child raising and, and the everything like that but it was definitely like a conscious choice and a deliberate action you know so it wasn't just didn't just magically appear right yeah um, so that work needs to happen yeah I feel like I can hear lots of voices saying but how okay how did okay. she do this and was yeah. she just blessed with this guy who was this magic feminist form? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing by marrying you, he was on that path already. Yeah, I mean, I've never really hidden my, my feminist beliefs. Like, you know, like I, I come out, you know, pretty strong for them. So it, he went in with eyes wide open for to who I was. Uh, but I would always make I would also make comments like there would be, you know, women in our circles that would like complain about having to make dinner every night. And I would sit there and be like, well, then don't make dinner every night and have you know like and talk to him about that and be like that's so strange you know like you know and even if I was making dinner most nights like he was always cleaning up you know like it was always it was always very equitable so I think it was just like I knew what going in what I was willing to tolerate and what I wasn't willing to tolerate but then as the inequity started to kind of shift just because of the whole children and who was at home and all of that thing and then going back to being at work and then having these established dynamics and patterns how I did it was I started small. I, I started with, um, like I did try to do it by myself for a long time. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I didn't like immediately see what was happening. It wasn't until I'd been doing, until my, really my second child showed up that I realized what, the, what had changed and what was going on. Um, and even really not until the third one was it really entrenched, right? Um, but so I got to a point where I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't keep up anymore things were not working and so I just picked one thing that I was going to offload and offload it completely so I chose laundry and I said I am not thinking about laundry anymore I am not doing laundry I am not putting it in the washer I am not putting it in the dryer I am not putting it away and that worked for a little bit and there was some backsliding and there was some things where I had to be like remember I'm not doing this anymore but literally I just had to not do it anymore I just had to not do it anymore and allow for what that looks like, you know, because sometimes I do now get annoyed. Laundry doesn't get away, get put away as fast as it would if I were doing it, you know, all these little things. And it's not like I never do a load of laundry, you know, it's you know, whatever, but, but literally I don't think about it anymore. If my kids have clean clothes, good. That's because my husband put them there. I have no clue. And I honestly have gotten to the point now I've got two kids that are really close together. Sometimes I don't know whose shorts are whose. That's not common for women, right? Like, you know, 
So it was really just that one thing. And then, um, you know, Wim, I think, really helped open up his eyes as well to some of the the structural inequities that exist for women in our culture. Um, it was obviously focused on a very specific area, but uh, allowed opening up of conversations to other things. And so, and I think too, like as my career advanced, you know, and I took on a, you know more significant roles at work, I just wasn't available, and I just wasn't going to do it. So it does mean that sometimes we have a lot more mess in the house than I would like and and all of that but it really just came down to what are my priorities what's important to me and also I'm raising three boys well boys until they tell me different and they are learning from our dynamic right so I have to constantly think like what do I want to be teaching them what do I want to be showing them what a relationship can look like and be like so that helps the fact that I have these three little people that are <laughs> watching our every move yeah such good motivation. Yeah. yeah. Do you sure. ever feel selfish? Oh, yeah. 100%. There's a lot of selfishness that, or feeling selfish. There's a lot of guilt. And there is very much a, a lot of work that goes into letting that go. Um, it's been a journey with that for sure. You know, like I, uh, I it's, it's, it's a work in progress. It is a work in progress. I think that, yeah, I probably came across as like, well, I just do this, but like I, I do it with a lot of work, a lot of mental and emotional work to um, consciously decide not to do something and not to say anything about how he does it or doesn't do it, which can be tricky. Um, you know, it can be tricky. Um, there's also just in the selfishness piece, um, I'm a person who needs a lot of alone time. Like I just am. And when you have three young children, you do not get a lot of alone time. And I've had to, you know, really start being okay with feeling guilty and just letting the guilt kind of come along with me and just be like, oh, hey, I see you. I know you. You're not mine. <laughs> you know, you are not mine. You were given to me by structures and people and parenting outside of me you know you are not my true self you do not belong to me these thoughts came from patriarchy white supremacy capitalism religion in my case a lot of religious messaging around what a woman should do and be and how she should show up for her family and just be like those are not mine they're not mine and I don't want them they don't serve me uh, but just it's a constant kind of reminder. I think one of the things is actually like finding a way to detach from the guilt, to, to like recognize it when it shows up and say like, it's there, the guilt is there. Like, that's very true. I'm experiencing it in my body. I'm feeling the sensations of it. I'm, you know, I'm having the thoughts associated with it, but it's not me. So I can just say, hey, guilt, I see that you're there. You can hang out if you want but I'm not gonna let it impact my decisions. Yeah, I heard an amazing, um, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Gilbert was on uh, Glennon Doyle's podcast not that long ago. And she said, um, the only thing that we can control is our actions. And that just like hit me, right? Like, I know that I've heard it before, but it just got me at the right time. And it was like, you're right. Like I can have all of these thoughts that aren't mine, like going through my head, but I get to decide what I do with all of the information that I've gathered and how, what feels right to me. So yeah, it's not easy. And sometimes it definitely takes away from the experiences that I've created for myself. You know, if I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go hang out with a friend and all of that guilt is coming along with me, you know? So that it certainly comes into play, but it just, I hope that practice, practice, practice will, will quieten that voice over time. Oh gosh, so relatable. I think the most difficult times in my life are when outside there's outside commentary on our mm. relationship and it usually comes yes. in the form of phone calls the dentist seems to always call me no matter how much yeah. we make sure that they have both our phone numbers or the school yeah. will call me yeah. even though both of our numbers are there 
I've had my daughter's dance studio. I have three or four times, please. This is my husband's email. I don't want to be forwarding emails to him or women checking in with me or parents when the kids were younger is so-and-so, you know, is Lou or Nyla coming to a birthday party and doing the RSVP with, oh no, their dad's taking care of that. I, I don't, I, I'm gone for the weekend or I'm not sure yeah. about that. Yeah. That's when I feel the most shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that too. Oh yeah. I feel it at school uh, a lot because Drew does uh, most of the drop-offs and pickups at school. And like, I've had people comment like, oh, your kids get so excited when it's you picking up because it's just not you very much or, you know, these kinds of things. And it's just like, really, really, you know, or um, yeah, I I can totally relate to that. Like all of the doctor's appointments, like, you know, like everything is on me, like, and that stuff does still fall to me. And that's okay. Like, you know, in any relationship, there's going to be division of labor because there has to be. And it's okay that certain things still completely fall entirely to me. In fact, that makes complete and utter sense. But you're right when you have transferred something over and it's still coming to you because somebody out there is like, well, you're the mom this is your job clearly you know like you gave you know if you gave birth or adopted it comes with the boobs I guess you know like you know you're you're, you're supposed to like track their places nurturing calendar <laughs> holding rolodex of numbers exactly. yeah and it's not even my it's not yeah. a, a, a trait or a capacity that I have very well. I'm, I can't hold a lot of times and dates and appointments. I hate making mm-hmm. phone calls. I yeah. hate making plans. Mm-hmm. And yet it's always texting me, no matter how much I yeah. tell people, please, if you want to hang out with us as a family, the yeah. best possible person you can contact is my husband because yeah. he will make a plan. He will communicate yeah. with me. But me, I'll just, I have 187 unread texts on my phone. People, if you're listening, don't text me with plans. Your you PSA. With an emotional yeah. concern, I am there. I will validate you and hold yeah. you. We can talk about tough stuff together, but no yeah it's so tricky so you were you really spend time and energy and 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 I mean part of this conversation is talking about how we have to reestablish this and relearn mm-hmm. these things yeah. and that oh, never no. seems to go away especially because we live in a culture that doesn't support this at all mm-hmm. on every angle now let's transition a little bit into the sexual experience so from your perspective like when we say patriarchy showed up in the bedroom, you and I understand what that yeah. means. Yeah. But I'm guessing is that 95% of the people listening to this, even if they do identify as feminists, and I always want to define that word as well. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do that first. Mm-hmm. How would you yeah. define feminist? A person who wants equality based on gender and all of those parameters. Yeah. You're not against men. No, goodness. Man hating. No, I'm married to a wonderful, wonderful man. I am raising three fantastic children. Men have such wonderful qualities. It's no, it's the systems of power and the dynamics that control both of us, both of both and other genders, right? Like it's you have to be a man, you have to be a woman, and you certainly can't be anything outside of that. You know, like it's, it's the system of control based on such a bizarre thing. Like what a bizarre way to break down a society, you know, like there are, you know, like it is such a strange thing. Like why not break people down by whether they're good at holding dates or whether they're good at holding emotional space? Like why would we choose genitals? Like it's such a weird way, especially since we know that like, not every person born in a male body or a female body is that gender. Like, it's just such a weird way to, to break it down. It's, yeah. it's so bizarre. But yeah. I, I wanted to just pause yeah. and redefine yeah. that yeah. for everyone listening, because feminist has really yeah. been distorted and used oh, in weird yeah. ways. And I always like to say I'm a feminist and I'm a maleist, but yeah. there's no word to say pro-male because they haven't yeah. needed that. Yeah. haven't had the lower hand so to speak so 
sex. Mm -hmm. Sex and how is it possible for you to look at how things were before in your sex mm -hmm. life and maybe still because this is an ongoing process mm -hmm. and how very specifically you could see that there was inequities or there were things that you weren't waking up to uh yes I mean I think I was always like uh well I'm gonna have an orgasm kind of person like that to me was like the bare freaking minimum if we were gonna say equality like I was not about to to not at least um have that but I think the way that it showed up was that it the the, the very give and take dynamic really 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 showed up in my sex life like it for him was a uh, just wonderful pleasurable experience that ended in the you know feeling connected and feeling good and having physical like wonderful physical sensations whereas for me it was something that I needed to give to my husband for him to feel good and to make sure that our relationship was working and you know yes I got the orgasm out of it but it was just like another thing I had to do um so that give and take dynamic relationship um and I think to uh one thing that I really didn't, and I, I knew it, like if you had asked me, does the media impact the way that men and women see their sexual interactions? I would say like, of course, but like, I never really thought about it. And when you think about it, like every single part of our culture is really designed with the male lens in mind, you know, like from our advertisements to TV shows, to movies, to video games, to like, every part of our media experience right like is from the male perspective and the male view and it's honestly really limiting for a male sexual experience as well but super limiting for a female perspective on her sexual experience right so um without knowing it you know like that whole kind of you know you talk about this a lot that whole like this happens first, then this happens second, then this happens third, and it's going to escalate and it's going to grow into this big glorious bang where you both come at the same time and it's because of his wondrous penis. You know, I was watching a show the other day and it was a lesbian scene where the one woman came from being penetrated by a strap on. And I was like, really? Really? <laughs> like, you know? We can't escape the almighty penis. We can't right? escape it. It was just like, even in this, there's no man in this scene and that's how she gets off? No, like, not to say that that's not how some people really enjoy it, but like, let's be honest here, folks. Like, that's not the penultimate experience, you know, or, you know, or the ultimate experience. You know, so that definitely would have come into play, you know, like all of those things. And then we kind of talked about it a little bit too, but I honestly think that there is something a little bit strange that happens when you get married, right? I think that no matter who you are, if you live in this culture, marriage has a cultural legacy of ownership. You know, that's just fact, that's just the truth. You know, that's what marriage was. And certain roles come up in that. Like even, you know, for me, like, and I, I notice it especially with people who then go on to have children because I do think those patterns start to play out a bit more when you have kids because you know you're I don't know you're you're starting to repair repeat parenting patterning as well and and all of those things you know and usually maybe somebody one person might step back from their career a little bit and what, in whatever way shape or form and that typically in our culture is still the the, the woman you know so there's something like just a little bit weird that happens there where I don't think that on any sort of conscious level, but men start to really step into that, that role of human being, like, uh, is it, like, you'll have to remind me who, who talks, who frames the concept of human being and human giver. Well, I learned about it in the book, Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski, but I think yeah. they referenced Kate Mann yeah um yeah but yeah yeah that's how right. explain that yeah. that idea actually sure the idea is, is is pretty simple and that there are some people in our culture that get to be human beings and they get to just live their lives and be out in the world and think about their perspective and their needs and their wants and go after them and those in our world tend to be men 
And there are people in this world who were very much taught to be givers and you, to be there for the beings, enable the beings to have their existence, right? To stay back and make sure everybody is fed and has clean clothes and has what they need. Do you need water? Do you need sunscreen? Do you need whatever? Make sure that they're taken care of. Are your sexual needs met? Are your emotional needs met? Are you okay, <laughs> you know? And only then, if then, will they start to look at themselves. And traditionally, those have been women. I mean, there certainly are um, male human givers. In some ways, my husband is very much a male human giver. And what they talk about too, is that the solution is not that everybody becomes human beings, but that everybody becomes human givers, That's which I think is wonderful. I love it so yeah. much. Yeah, so good, so good. Yeah. I think you and I have both experienced that to some degree in our relationships <laughs> after lots of hard work. And yet the, that pull to be the human giver and to be the human being is so strong. Well, you've really gone through this just not that long ago. So have you talked to your wonderful listeners about that? Because I think that they would learn a lot from your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. I went away for three nights. And this was about a year ago, maybe not that much. Yeah, maybe not, not quite a year, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I went away for a, a three nights away, just to a nice little spot by my favorite ocean and things were getting really busy at work and I needed a, a time. And my husband had got some prawns, he, he uh, fishes and he put them in the fridge and prawns go bad really quick and they smell really bad. And so I walked in that house after three nights away and I almost threw up coming into the home. It was disgusting. And I didn't even say hi to anyone. I'm also, I have a very strong smell. I will say that. And I went to the fridge and there were the slimy, disgusting <laughs> prawns that had dripped prawn juice uh, into our fridge gross. and there was just something about that moment standing there in front of our brand new fridge in our brand new kitchen and I would just suddenly saw all this other stuff that I hadn't seen before that I would be a gone for three days and the fridge I don't think had been even opened or looked at or used I don't even know how they had been eating and the fact that my husband was sitting on the couch when I walked in on his phone not even aware that there was a smell in the home it took us five full cleanouts of that fridge with baking powder and vinegar and chemicals and, and, and taking it basically almost destroyed our fridge and something happened. A veil was lifted from my eyes and I just started to see how things were just not as equal as I thought they were. And that was really painful, especially because this is what I teach. And so we, I started, I'm trying to think of specifics now even how our time was blocked off, our responsibilities at home, the mental load that I was carrying for just me, even my dance, my daughter's dance costumes. But I think more than that, I didn't feel seen, appreciated, or valued for those things. I felt utterly invisible because they weren't even seen from him. Me clearing out the kitchen, uh, the fridge on a regular basis. It was so invisible to him that he wouldn't even know to do it himself or replace yeah. it himself. Yeah. Uh, my helping him with a coworker in a tricky situation and using my skills of communication and emotional intelligence wasn't even ever asked for. I would always be inserting myself. Hey, I could help with this. I could do this. I could, and almost feeling apologetic or lame so that was a whole nother another thing um and one you know kind of coming back to the sex piece because I feel like we could 
goodness yeah. we could talk about this forever mm-hmm. we probably will Chen and yeah. I. <laughs> yes, <I'm sure. laughs> many more conversations to come <laughs> yeah. about all of this this is almost like a introduction I would say that we could keep referring people back to mm-hmm. if you want the basics listen to this episode mm-hmm. but as you were talking about your sex life and how it was really centered still on mm-hmm. his experience his orgasm his penis I would say my experiences early days were like that as well. Mm-hmm. He would always have an orgasm. That just wasn't even, I wouldn't even imagine having, like, it's so, so unfathomable that right? you too. Yeah, like, that's kind of the whole point in the early, like, it was the whole point in the early days, you know, that he would have an orgasm. Like, that's why we did it, you know, like kind of thing. And then you yeah. could feel relief that he'd had one and he won't want one for a certain amount of days and you're off yeah. the hook. And, yeah. and so the orgasm, it was like, I think I feel the same way as you did. It was, I would often have one. I don't know if you felt like this, but it, it also felt also in for him. It felt like, I, I'm not even sure, did I want that? Or was I doing it because I wanted to prove to him that I worked? Did I want him to feel satisfied in my pleasure? Yeah. Well, that makes so much sense though, because that's again, how we see it all the time. You know, there's this gratification of the male pro- like sexual prowess right like look at how he satisfies her and it's not about whether or not she enjoys it it's about whether or not he can give it to her right whether or not he is capable of pleasuring a woman who is so freaking hard to get off apparently yeah it's always that big hard penis it's gonna yeah you go over the edge yeah and maybe that's why I always felt so much I hear other women say this too is I want him to be able to give it to me. So I don't want to have to touch my clitoris. I don't want to do it on my own. I want this to be either he's doing it with his hands, mouth, or penis. And then that's sort of a legitimate way to experience pleasure. Did you ever have that? Yeah, but in a bit of a different way. So I I definitely think that that is a huge thing. Um, Just, yes, I think it's a huge dynamic in a lot of relationships. I think for me though, it was actually around shame. Like I would feel great shame if I ever touched myself or pleasured myself because, you know, good girls don't like that, you know? And I think that is actually another way in which shame, in which patriarchy really showed up in my sex life and which shows up in a lot of people's sex life is like, you're not supposed to like it. There's something kind of wrong with you as a woman if you like it, you know? apparently women don't masturbate which we know is just not true at all but even that kind of myth right that mythology around sexual pleasure like that it's just not as high as men's or that we don't like it as much or that we don't get to we don't get amorous unless it's for you know our husbands or you know like just that whole idea right um is is very like you're there's something wrong with you as a woman if you do that you know and I think there was like a great feminist reclamation of sexuality which was amazing I think that that was a fantastic thing but I think it fell a little short in that it still centered a male sexual experience as the like you're going to be free and wild and up for whatever but it was through the male lens as opposed through you know a more female lens and that's not to say that there aren't people doing wonderful work around this and have been doing wonderful work it's just in general I think that's what happened you know so this idea that especially if you're like me and grew up with a lot of uh, religious dogma and a lot of um, religious constraints um, you know there's and purity culture was a huge thing um, you know, for a lot of people um, coming uh, that are that are alive today, uh, you know, so it really um, all of those things lead to this like shame piece. And so I think that touching myself or being involved in it in any way, or even like saying what I liked or directing it in any way, would a yes, you know, take away from like the his kind of like ownership of it, but also 
be shameful for me and be kind of almost used against me in future experiences or, you know, they would have something over me. Like it would be, it would be exposing a vulnerability, exposing something that wasn't good, that nobody should do, that nobody should know about me and letting this person have like knowledge of that. And it would give them power over me in some way, you know? And I still brought that into my marriage. And even today I have to really work against those kinds of thoughts. Like that is a big one for me. That's a really, Oh, that's a battle. Like it's an ongoing, ongoing battle. Yeah. So relate to that as well. I think I would see this sort of pure framework of a sexual experience where it would be missionary position, (laughs) him on top. He would thrust inside of me we would have simultaneous orgasms. And for me, there was this sort of purity that was placed on that, that Mm -hmm. in that context, I could have an orgasm or feel pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a little bit because of fantasy. So many women fantasize around being like raped or being held down or being tied up. Mm -hmm. And I was... I mean, there's fantasy hasn't just been not researched very much. But there's one part of me that thinks maybe that's because in that scenario where she's not asking for it, where mm-hmm. she's not being using her voice, that in only in that case she can have pleasure. One hundred percent. I definitely think that's what it is. It's because you were never permitted to have pleasure. So if it's being forced upon you, well, then it's not really you doing it, is it? Right. And so you still get to maintain that like pure good girl identity. Not that we walk around saying like, I'm pure and I'm a good girl, but like those messages are still very much in our brains. Right. And yes, I think that is exactly why. And I think that the reason why men like those fantasies so much is because they've been taught the opposite. Whereas like women don't aren't they don't want it right and you have to you have to push you have to push you have to push you know and then they will finally succumb to you right so I think that it's very much because of the way that we've constructed sexuality that those are such dominant fantasies for both men and women right yeah all right let's talk about how our sex lives are now okay (laughs) let's talk about some good stuff okay (laughs) who's going first yeah, <laughs> we can talk about the past. But yeah, present stuff feels a bit more vulnerable. I think it is important, though, that we share whatever we do feel comfortable with because women are only seeing examples mm-hmm. of the old stuff mm-hmm. on media, in media, uh, and insinuations from their friends. No one's getting yes. into details, but we really rocked the house last night. <laughs> I just chandeliers were a shaking. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> if the van is a rocking, don't come a knocking. The yeah. sweat pouring off. Yeah. Let's do it again. I never yeah. understood that one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what is it? What does it look like to have equity in a sexual experience to to be aware of how patriarchy shows up and to design something new how does it look different for you now yeah um do you do you want to define equity or do you feel like you're oh let's define everything okay yeah okay so go ahead (laughs) well I just use a really simple definition it's that everybody gets what they need to feel safe and comfortable it's not about 50 50 it's not about i touched your penis now you can touch my vulva it's uh i feel safe doing this thing that works for me and on the other hand you feel safe when i do this thing to you and we're enjoying it together and it's i've never seen it actually be 50 50. i've never seen it work that way and so it's an understanding that everybody has different needs in that moment and those needs are often informed by the level of privilege or the amount of oppression that we've experienced in our culture so if we look at men and women it makes sense that women are going to need a boost they're going to need a little extra help a little extra support and they may need a lot more boundaries and safety and consent than men do, 
because men haven't been violated that way in society. And equally, that's just talking about gender, but there's also other, you know, inequities in the world in, in terms of race and um, uh, what would you call it, um, abilities and any more? Socioeconomic status. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Would you yeah. add anything to that? Nope, that's, that's beautifully said as always. Yeah. So what does my sex life look like now? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, first of all, it looks scheduled. Um, yeah, it, it happens at a, a regular time. Um, and I do want to like talk about that because I think if you would, like, I tried that, I tried that before, right? Like I tried like, well, we'll just do it every day at this day. And that didn't work because it was just like, pressure 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 leading up to it and then inevitably I didn't want to do it so it was it's a way then I wouldn't do it and then he would feel disappointed and like well you said you would and then it, then it was very transactional right whereas scheduled now because it's supported by a whole bunch of different things that I've transformed in the relationship and in that dynamic is um awesome <laughs> you know um and it's good for me too because um you know and again I don't want to like you, you, you kind of have to back all this stuff up with so much so much learning right but you know like responsive desire like Caitlin and um no uh, Nidja, what can yeah. you please say her name yeah, yeah. Najasi. I feel so bad I always get it wrong always, uh, talks, yeah. yeah it's like the only book about sex I'd probably recommend all the time come as you are yeah. Emily. so good it's yeah. Emily yeah um no it's so good it's so good um so learning about responsive desire was really helpful and just also like um the way that it looks now as opposed to the way that it looks before and equity is really important in this is that it is for me you know and it is not for my husband and that is still tricky that is still very very tricky I mean is it not for you like I mean, it is for is him. He in pain? Is he <laughs> suffering? Is he crying out for you no. to stop? <laughs> Definitely not. Bored <laughs> and like falling asleep. Definitely not. He is having the best sex of our marriage, uh, for sure. Um, no, what I mean by that though is that like I can't think about him. Like every time I think about him, it screws things up. And I will say, in our last experience, I came and he did not, you know, I know, right, you know, and I share that just because it is so radical. And it's not like he didn't have pleasure during or anything like that. And it's not like he couldn't, you know, go and explore and enjoy himself after it was just like, no, I knew what I wanted. And that's all I wanted. And there was no like pushing myself to get things done. And it is really interesting because in the past, you know, I've like I've certainly followed or listened to other like sex advice people who would say like, you have to, you know, push yourself to, um, to meet your partner's needs. And for a long time, I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me because, you know, your partner, they love you. And, you know, like you guys all make sacrifices and compromises. And, you know, and maybe that is true in certain relationships. I'm sure that in some relationships that might work. But in my relationship and in the relationship of many, 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 many women, that I've seen and come across and been, you know, like had the complete honor to get to know, that's not the case. It's just not the case. It just doesn't work. And you really have to like own your own pleasure as a woman. You have to do some radical work inside yourself to claim that power. And it is a power. I remember in some of my very early XDs, like just feeling like a freaking goddess, you know, like in my, some of my very early experiences after um, when like just being like, this is mine. This is, this is what female, my female sexuality is supposed to feel like. I'm supposed to feel like empowered here and I can explore it. If for me, like, it's not, you know, like missionary was never like the idea deal but it doesn't have to be like 
acrobatic sex swing or or maybe it maybe it is like if that's what if that's coming from you right like you know and I think that's really the freedom in in this kind of way of thinking about sex is that you get to cast off everybody else's expectations and just find what feels good and you're not performing anymore you're not doing it for anybody else you're just doing it for you you know and even though it takes constant vigilance continuously have to remind myself of all of these things you know think about what female power is and female sexual power is and remind myself of these things it's amazing because it frees me up in so many other areas of my life you know it is it's it even today so a, a really great example is like we're supposed to go up to the cottage this weekend and I am behind I am behind at work like like please nobody from work watch this I'm behind okay, okay. and that's you know for a number of reasons and I was just said today I was like you know what I don't think I'm going up to the cottage I am going to work on Friday and I'm just going to be there and then he was like okay okay there's no you don't have to worry about it that's okay from my perspective I'll manage my parents if they don't and I was like you don't need to manage anything I'm okay with this but a few years ago I was not okay like every time that thought came up in my mind I would like panic I would be like what are people going to think about me what is going to like what are the repercussions of this socially and familial like with, within the family and all of that but it, I just didn't feel it I was just like no I'm not coming my kids will be okay my in-laws will be okay my husband will be okay and so that was like a really long like tangent away from what my sex life is but but so my sex life is fulfilling challenging it still it still is work you know in 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 an internal way like not that the sex itself is work but the internal transformation is work but when it is like that like I can't tell you like I didn't enter into my husband's head once during the last sexual experience except at the end after everything was done and then I did need to ask for some reassurance and, and all of those things but not once during and that's never happened before, right? Like even with all this work. So my sex life is freeing now, you know? Ooh, it's the best word ever. If we can put sex in free or freeing, freedom, that's mm. what I want for women. I want them to feel free to explore their senses without that pressure of performance or proving mm. or pushing yes. or coercion or any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I've been exploring the concept of how sex is versus what sex is. Mm. So I find when I do work, a lot of women want to ask me, what should I do? Yeah. And I think what they're saying is, should I touch my husband's penis? Should I give him oral sex? Because we're used to dealing with sex in that way. There's a list mm. of options, 69, anal, from behind, different positions, uh, and that's how we approach it. Kissing, groping, certain body parts that are the things you do. Yeah. And uh, sometimes my sex now looks very similar to my sex before. I'll mm -hmm. touch my clitoris in a similar way. He'll, if we have intercourse, we'll use the same position. Uh, he'll touch my back in a similar way but I'm doing it in a completely different way. The how is completely different. Are you, yeah. I feel like you're nodding there. Yes. Oh, so much so. And one of the things that I'm really coming to understand is that that is true for so many things. It's an internal shift. It's an internal shift. Like I can get dressed and put makeup on and make myself look really, really good. And I can do that because that's what society wants from me. And I'm expected to look beautiful as a woman and I can diet and exercise in order to feel like I'm small enough as a woman and do all of those things. Or I can do exactly the same thing, but do it for me, right? And, and there's nothing, you can't force it. You can't fake it. It's a shift. It's a shift that happens from doing the work, right? And I think, yes, it definitely shows up in, in, in sex. Like, I still like the same things. The same things still work to, to bring me to orgasm and stuff like that. But 
I feel different during and more importantly, I feel different after, you know? Ooh, tell, talk about that. But yeah. So, I know what you mean, but I think it's an important one to highlight. Yeah. So I think after there was like always a little bit of shame because I brought a lot of shame into the sexual experience with me. And, you know, you're not supposed to like that. And even if, you know, if I did use fantasy, then the fantasies, I was like, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't really actually like that in real life, you know, kind of thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right? So there's always like a little bit of like ick. And then there was also a little bit of like relief, like, okay, that's over. There was like, oh, this was nice. Like, I'm glad, like I would enjoy sex after. It's not like I like hated it all the way through or anything like that. And, you know, so there was like, okay, good. We're gonna feel connected for a little while and he's gonna be happy for a little while. And I don't have to think about it anymore, which was great. But now, like, I really truly do feel like more connected to my husband and I feel more connected to myself. One of the phrases you've been using a lot lately, and I love it, is coming home to myself, you know, coming home to myself. And I just feel that, you know, I just, it feels more like I'm stepping into me as opposed to, okay, I finished that task. Like separate yeah. from yourself. It's a, it's a place yeah. that you go, the sex place yes. that you go, yes. rather yes. than the sex place is actually inside of me. And I'm going to really take care of that. Mm -hmm. And dear husband, would you like to join me in that experience? Yeah. Is that how you feel after now? Or is it different? What is, what is your take on that? I will say mostly, mostly now I feel afterwards, I feel refreshed unless I've, I've, I don't know if you've ever experienced this with orgasm, but Sometimes I'm very casual about orgasm. I'm like, oh, that was really nice. That was good. Other times I really have to work at it. And it it's almost crosses a threshold of not being pleasurable anymore. Uh-uh, okay. I still do that once in a while. So I learned something from that. Um, but I do, I feel, I feel empowered a lot of the times. The last, one of the recent sexual experiences we both didn't have orgasms and I was feeling a little bit like, oh, that wasn't acceptable. I mean, I teach this stuff for, I've been doing this for five, six years, right? And I think that's originally where we wanted to to get to in our conversation, which is, I'm I'm glad right at kind of the end of our conversation, we're getting there, but again, we'll keep this conversation going. For sure. Um, But yeah, I, I sat up in bed and I put my arms in like a superhero, superwoman yeah. position that yeah. said, I am a sexual woman. I am amazing. I am sophisticated and exquisite and sensual. And I just declared it to my husband and myself. Yes. <laughs> and my love that. Picked up what I was doing and he just joined in. Yes, you are. And, uh, you know, yeah, he was just kind of echoing and, and boosting me up. He wasn't sharing his own observations he wasn't taking over he was just yes and you're gonna yeah. you're gonna do that and I, I really had to just claim it back mm. you don't take this from me world don't tell me what's appropriate or intense enough or legitimate enough to have yeah. to define my sexual experience in my marriage yes so I I I, I was gonna say I still have to do that but we need another word so that it's not a bad thing yeah, because I mean, this is going to be lifelong, right? Like this, we were, we're, we're still in the society that puts all of these things around us. That's not going away. Like, well, maybe people are working pretty damn hard to, to help it move out of the way and I will support them and, and do my work too. Um, but yes, we, we are in this uh, for a while and we were raised in it. And I think that the messages that we're raised with, they like get hard coded, <laughs> you know, they get hard coded, Mm. you know, so it's, it's really tricky to, to get away from it. And it is that constant, um, you know, in your, in ourselves remembering, but also like in community remembering, because it's really hard to do these changes if we're doing them alone. Like it, it's impossible. Like you can't keep it up. Right. This is why I started the podcast. Because we have these conversations and wanting it more in warriors. It is such a vital aspect of healing and growth. And so I thought if I could just bring a little taste 
to other people and have them see that they're not alone. Yes. That I and I really do believe this sort of I'm going to call it like an introduction to patriarchy in the bedroom <laughs> there we go. conversation that we've had. Uh, that it's I'm sure a lot of women has have felt just a lot of validation because women will feel things for so long and really think it's them yes there's something wrong with them and and so yeah. many professionals will agree yes. with them yes there yes. is something wrong with you let's check your testosterone of course no medical advice here but yes. these are the things that i hear oh it's all yeah. your trauma what if yeah. it's not yeah what if you just don't like to put your mouth on his penis yeah. Is that a possibility? Or that you would, if it was completely and utterly up to you and your choice and not pressure or performative or anything like that. And not wrapped yeah. up in a formula of oral yeah. sex. I yes. was kissing, I was kissing my husband's penis the other day as, <laughs> as I was making a vulva out of his penis and testicles. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I shared that somewhere. No, I, I didn't hear that. No, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So if you're listening, we'll do a whole episodes on genitals and everything. But uh, at seven weeks gestation, the it, you're actually you, your genitals look uh, up until that point they look female, yeah. and the male start to diverge. So it's actually you continue on being female or you diverge. That's not what we're taught. So sometimes in me relearning and re-educating myself, I'll say, I'll say to my husband's penis, yes, I talked to it. Oh my gosh, this is really, this is really <laughs> Jana 10.0. So. <laughs> but I'll just say, wow, what a large clitoris you have. It's okay, sweetie. You do look a little different than other clitorises. You are quite big for one but I accept you <laughs> you're fine um and then this, this is the first time I've done it I kind of like folded his testicles so it, it did look like yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then I, and then I was kissing it and stroking it loving it and it was funny we were laughing yeah. uh in the past I would have never done that Oh, and yeah. laughter in the bedroom like I remember like I wanted our sex life to be playful and I remember early on like I laughed a little bit and like he clearly did not like that so I was like oh Kate don't do that not doing that anymore okay and then it never did it but then like since reframing and rechanging our our life there's way more just like joy being like, human yes yes <sighs> Jen it's been so good oh. It went by so fast. It went by so fast. We have so much more to say, everyone. <laughs> I know. I was like, there's way more here. There's so many layers to this. Like, there, there's so many ways in which patriarchy shows up in the bedroom and in our relationships. Yeah. My goodness. Yes. Yeah. So, gosh, I was even, podcasts are difficult because there isn't, we're having a conversation, but there aren't other people. So I may set up a way for people to ask additional questions. Like you said this one sentence, can you elaborate on that more? Or, yeah. and then because I am going to have a lot of repeat guests coming back, mm -hmm. we can sort of have those extra conversations because I am sure you have said a lot of things today that women are, what does she mean by that? <laughs> and, and we want to share that. We don't want to have sex be spoken about in a vague way because mm -hmm. that's part of patriarchy too let's yeah. keep everything vague and mysterious and under yeah. the covers and hidden mm -hmm. and chained and mm -hmm. we want to bring that out to light and just talk about making a ball line clitoris right <laughs> right i mean it's yes. very bizarre <laughs> yes but it's so freeing, so freeing. it's so freeing yes. and didn't we want to couple those words sex and free we certainly do. Oh, so good. Thank you again, Jen, for coming. Yes. And I look forward to many more podcast conversations with you. And thank you yes. all for listening and being open. And I hope to hear from you. Maybe when I edit this, I'll put an anonymous Google form or something that we can have a conversation back uh, with you. So with that, I'll, we'll say goodbye and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. 
It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want to enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janetdentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the waitlist, to learn more, to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.